You're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is episode number eight, recorded on October 8th, 2011. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can influence the success of others, their organizations, and themselves. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is Coaching the Millennials, Part 2. Well, we had last week Gilbert Fugit here to talk about how to work with millennials effectively and how to coach and develop them. And we mentioned in last week's episode that this is something that is a big struggle for most leaders of working with young people in the workplace and something that I hear very consistently from our clients that they're wanting more tools and information for how to work with the millennial generation. And if you haven't yet listened to episode number seven, you may want to go back and take a quick listen to that episode because we do talk more in detail about the millennial generation and do some talk about some statistics. But just as a real quick overview, millennials, uh, when we use the term millennials or generation Y, and there's three or four other terms uh, for this age group, we're generally talking about people who are were born between 1980 and 2000. And I cited last week an article from the fall 2011 of Leader to Leader Journal, which reported that there's 44 million people in this demographic that are already in the workplace and another 46 million that will be part of the workplace in the coming years. And, uh, and so this is a huge group that leaders are going to are already working with and are going to be working with in the coming years. And so it's really important that we as leaders are able to discuss some good practices and utilize some effective tools that will help this, uh, not only us to be effective, but this gener- this new generation of workers to be effective as well. And as you're listening today, you may want to call in with some questions. You can reach us at 877-LEARN-45, or of course, you can email to me feedback at innovatelearning.com. So again, that's feedback at innovatelearning.com. And we will be sure to grab your question and answer it here in a future episode. And I am very excited today to introduce someone who I know will be my favorite guest of all time. And that's because uh, in addition to her being someone who's incredibly experienced in working with this age group, I also happen to be married to her. And so uh, in addition to be my to being my best friend and uh, life partner in the world, uh, Dr. Bonnie Stahoviak is also the president of our firm, Innovate Learning. And in addition, is an associate professor of business at Vanguard University. And so uh, probably more so than almost anyone else I know between your consulting experience and your experience in teaching students of this age group, you have a tremendous amount of experience working with this population. So I'm so glad that you uh, are here today. Well, thanks for having me. I traveled all the way over from my home office across the hall. Yes, I know. (laughs) It was a long journey. I put my slippers on for it. So, hey, that's great. Anytime you can do anything in slippers in the mm. professional world is definitely a, uh, a point uh, a point in our favor. So uh, I wanted to ask you just a few questions about your experience in working with this age group, Bonnie. Um, but before even getting there, I was wondering if you could just comment a little bit on what are the differences that you 
see between these different generations that we've been talking about? Well, you gave some of the statistics already. And just to give a little bit more shape to the numbers, you had the builders generation. And that was kind of back in for, you know, people who had kind of been in the war. And that's about 56 million in the population. And then the boomers, which you talked about, and 80 million of them. And so that's why we have such a rich set of opportunities in healthcare and in retirement living and that type of thing, because it's such a large percent of our population. And then we saw a dip with Generation X, of which Dave and I are both a part of, 38 million. And then the millennials, I had a slightly different number. And I did want to mention that with different researchers, you're going to get different numbers in different years. And really what we're looking at here are trends and patterns, not precise numbers. And so, yeah, one of the things that is interesting to think about with generations is some of the cultural markers that have really most influenced your generation. So Dave, I'm going to ask you a question on this in a minute. I'm going to flip the interview already. All right, I'm ready. (laughs) So think about things in your generation that influenced you as far as technology, music and entertainment, politics and social events. And so as we think about these different generations, we don't want to just think of them about numbers, but really some of the things that really shaped them. So in the example of the builders having gone through a war, they're going to have and an a different sort of war than the wars that are occurring today, because I think not to get political on a show that shouldn't be political, but we as Americans are a lot more distanced from the wars that we're engaged in than we ever have been before. It's true. There's drones and there's, you know, people, unfortunately, it's a disproportionate number of poor people that end up going into the military to serve our country so proudly. And so we just not as many people have as much skin in the game in these wars as has been in the past. So that's, of course, going to have shaped that generation. So what do you think about as you think about Generation X, some of the cultural markers that shaped our generation? Well, when I was a young child, uh, Ronald Reagan was president during a good part of my childhood. So I think of the Cold War. I think of the uh, you know the Soviet Union and that sort of all that whole uh, challenge that the country went through. And then you know technology was just starting to emerge as far as personal computers. When I was, I think, six years old, my dad bought our first personal computer uh, for our house, and so my childhood was really. Def- Certainly a big part of it was learning how to use computers and technology, but this was still before the internet. Uh, you know, the internet didn't mm-hmm. really show up in our lives until I was in you know, c- you know, late high school, early college. And so it, those types of, um, you know, it was, it was an interesting time. It was, uh, but those types of things are the things I remember when I think of cultural things that were going on is it was us getting used to, you know, and, and processing a cold war, but also getting used to how technology was starting to emerge in our lives. Yeah, and that and you're talking about war, I that's such an interesting perspective to have then because so much of that was the fear, not what any type of fear which thank goodness was never fortunately realized, but that fear of, you know, them over there <laughs> for sure. Yeah, there was always the them. And mm-hmm. now the them is much less defined. Yeah, very difficult to define as well. Yeah. Some of the characteristics that come up in the literature around generation X would be mobility. The a lot more movement happened around employment, that type of thing um, in in our upbringing, the sense of wanting to have more life balance, having the technology, which you mentioned informality. So we went from the baby boomers and the builders who are a lot more formal particularly when you think about in the workplace. And then we came in and kind of mucked things up a bit with regards to our, our true informality. 
that's definitely a distinction I've noticed over the years. I think back to my parents and my dad and the work that he did, and and particularly growing up in the Midwest, of being a very formal, structured workplace culture and also just a social culture as well, too. And now we really have kind of shattered a lot of those formalities of culture that we used to have. Yes. And then the last one that I'm going to note on Generation X is a sense of autonomy. And Dave, I'll ask you to post in the show notes one of my favorite videos. It's only two minutes. So if you any of you listening have a chance to pop over to the show notes for this particular show, highly encourage you to watch it. And it's a two minute video. I think it's two minutes about how to best motivate people today. Mm, And it was research around the book Drive, the surprising science behind what motivates us. I think you may have mentioned it in a previous show too. I did. I believe I did. I'll post that online for folks who want to grab that. That's at innovatelearning.com. Look for episode eight and we'll have that online. Thank you. And so one of the things he talks about in that book and as well as in the video that we'll post is the idea of how much when we give people autonomy, how much more they're motivated and autonomy, that desire for autonomy comes up a lot with regards to Generation X. And I tell you, Dave, that really resonates with me. I I feel like if you just could hook up a monitor to me of my motivation levels and you want to see those motivation levels soar, give me autonomy, give me a challenge, and then I'll start heading toward it. And I really can get demotivated when people start to have me lose that autonomy. I lose a lot of the sense of meaning and purpose around my work. It's one of the things actually that we've talked a lot about with clients that we've worked with recently who are learning their coaching, how to be more effective coaches to people that they're leading in their organizations is how to give them appropriate autonomy. And that's really, in many cases, a new concept for a lot of people who have, or, you know, are from those previous generations and grew up in a different workplace and grew up in a different environment. And I know I resonate a lot with that. The more autonomy someone gives me in, in workplaces that I've had, the more motivated I am to want to succeed and to want to continue to grow. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I started with Generation X, but I'm going to move back a little bit now and look at the builders and the boomers. We are not the first generation and the generation that we're talking about now, the millennials also referred to as Generation Y. This is not the first time there have been differences in how people perceive events and and what really has shaped generations. So looking back at the generation of the builders, this is really a generation that thought a lot about authority and really valued hard work and delayed rewards. Mm. And I think about, you know, for me, this is my grandparents and really how hard they worked. My family on my dad's side was always in agriculture and farming and they grew and shipped flowers. And that was just hard, hard work. And that was really valued. And that was something that was just not even questioned. This whole idea around life balance, you know, these are people that had gone through the depression and it's kind of like, are you kidding me? We need to feed the family and just more of that real sense of honor behind the hard work and delayed gratification. We were talking at breakfast this morning about the distinction between generations and personality and how sometimes people muddle those distinctions. And you had some really interesting thoughts on this distinction, Bonnie. Could you share that as well? Sure. A a generation is going to be comprised of one's age, which we've been talking a little bit about age, and then the conditions in which they grew up and, and had a lot of their values and behaviors and really what motivates them shaped. 
and then their experiences. And we've been talking a little bit at experiences. And one thing that is kind of important to think about is it's not just about only the generations, because we're far more complex than that. So mm-hmm. I think coupled with generations, that's one way we can approach to perhaps understanding people differently. But it's really limited if we only look at it through that lens. Mm. Okay. So we've got the, we looked a little bit at the builders. Let's talk about the boomers now. Okay. Great. Baby boomers. They had a lot of a sense of professional identity, care a lot about health, they really treasured, it's kind of a funny word that I would use, material wealth and building that and, and, and focusing a lot on, on getting that, that materialism. And I would suspect then the researchers would say this would be in contrast to, you know, the depression. Hey, we're not going to have that happen to us. And also this sense of optimism and some of the cultural things that just might touch base if you talk to baby boomer, the Beatles, mm-hmm. President yeah. Kennedy, <laughs> the first man walking on the moon the moonwalk and Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. And the, where were you when those events happened? Mm-hmm. I know is something that is a touchstone for many people who grew up during that time and were young people during that time. So let me talk just briefly about millennials. You've already addressed a lot of this in your talk last time with Gilbert, but I'll just touch on a few more things. Sure. The need for constant feedback that, you know, yearning for, and you, and you really touched on that so well with Gilbert, the whole idea of being vulture, vulture, (laughs) (laughs) virtual and those connections, you know, connecting with people all over the world. I don't even have to see you. I can text you. I can Facebook you a sense of working on a team being important and something that's valued. And also this real sense of diversity and, and independence around one's diversity and, and embracing that I know one of the things that you and I hear a lot from particularly folks of the previous generations in the workplace is struggles that they have of working with this new generation as they enter the workplace. What are some of the struggles that you've heard from leaders that people are typically running into with this new generation? Well, one of the struggles definitely is going to be the the need for constant feedback and that idea behind kind of the generation that wants to be have the praise and <laughs> the trophy for everyone, which you spoke about with Gilbert. Yeah. And there were just actually a couple before I touch on your question, there were a couple of cultural things that I didn't mention. I, I want to just circle back on okay. uh, 9-11 and terrorism. Oh, yeah. Certainly for this generation, the kind of girls movement, you had the Spice Girls and the Dixie Chicks and so kind of that strength in girl power for lack of a better phrase. You had MySpace before there was Facebook, there was MySpace and a lot of the teens and tweens jumping on that and connecting that way and getting accustomed to really what I think that for a lot of them don't even recognize giving up a lot of their sense of privacy. Mm. And then this whole idea of connecting via email, which even now is sort of becoming for that generation passe, you know, don't email me. I don't check my email. I'm Facebook. It's amazing to me that Facebook now is the most trafficked site around the world. It's just staggering. And I've also heard that too of young people just not using email nearly as much as you and I would and and generations prior to us have learned to use email in the last few years. And this is really the first generation that, that, doesn't need an authority figure to access knowledge or information. So whereas we in the workplace used to have to go and really cultivate mentoring type relationships with others, that is something that is a little bit more difficult for that generation to embrace. They, they do like it, mm-hmm. but they might not 
initiated. They might need to be coached into or encouraged into forming those mentoring relationships because now if I need information or knowledge, I can access it in a second. (laughs) And so that idea behind really, that's a very different thing because then that knowledge and that information isn't as valued as it used to be. And so, you know, in the workplace, there can be this tension sometimes between, you know, this is the way that we've always done it, which is really, by the way, poor phrase to ever use. (laughs) (laughs) This is the way we've always done. It is not going to create innovation, which we all need to have to be differentiating ourselves as companies. But there is certainly, I can even, I don't tend to fit that personality type of someone who, who wants things to stay the same. It's not something that I value and try to fight for. But, you know, I, even though when you've been in an organization for a while and you have tried different things, that historic record of what worked, what didn't and why it's hard then when someone comes in and doesn't have any appreciation for that, even for those of us that may not be as resistant to change. I really think the, the comment you made a moment ago about how we and particularly this new generation have so much access to information that we don't think they don't think as readily as someone maybe from our generation or the generation before about building mentoring relationships and reaching out to colleagues who have more experience in the workplace because there is there are other ways today to access that information and to access that knowledge and I never really thought about it that way that's a really interesting uh, struggle that leaders would run into with connecting with this generation mm-hmm. and what do you find that works effectively for leaders if they want to be able to either give praise or to give feedback or or coaching to this generation? Because I know you mentioned that, you know, kind of that regular interaction and feedback is important. What have you found that's worked with leaders? Well, one of the things I want to say, even before talking about this generation, is that the advice I would have would really apply for working with any generation. And that even though I think that sometimes as I've talked with people and worked with clients, the people who ask this kind of question of what is it with these young whippersnappers? (laughs) I don't get it. That the advice I would have for them with regards to a younger generation entering the workforce Mm -hmm. is actually oftentimes, if not always, the same exact advice I would have for any person that you are leading in an organization. So first off, one of the things, yes, with this generation, but boy, do I see it with all generations, is to be proactive in responses to conflict. We cannot, as leaders today, afford to be avoiding conflict ourselves. And this needs to be a skill that we hone and that we practice. And it isn't one of those things that you just wake up one morning and you're done. (laughs) It is an ever-evolving kind of art that you are cultivating as a leader in order to to really help maximize potential. And so, yes, today's younger generation do avoid conflict. Yes, there are arguments in the dorm rooms <laughs> that occur over text message and the people are sitting in the same room. Right. Yes, there are breakups <laughs> that happen over Facebook. I break up with you. You find out about it because your relationship status has changed on Facebook from in a relationship to not. And I expect you to figure out that that means we're done. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, that is certainly with the younger generation. That is a pattern that I have seen among many of them. But my goodness, when you go into organizations, there's this whole cultural element. And in organizations, cultures can start to embrace a let's all just keep the peace and let's all avoid conflict and let's not let's all get along. (laughs) And that's really a phrase from our generation. (laughs) Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? Yeah. And so 
I think that that idea of being proactive in response to conflict and and being the leader in that, having the courage to engage in that, whether we are acting as the mediator between two parties without then giving them the ability to do that themselves, because we certainly don't want to form triangular relationships and we have to be engaged in that triangle in order for healthy conflict to occur. But if we need to get in there and, and, and initially start to set some boundaries and help create some healthy patterns, that can be good. Or whether or not it's us doing that with the employees and modeling that for them. And it doesn't have to be a power-based conflict where it gets to be my way because I'm the boss. It gets to be instead of asking for feedback. They will have a perspective, assuming they report to you in this particular example, they'll have a perspective that's unique to you. Because in our hierarchical systems that we set up in our many of our organizations, we can become blind to things because people aren't going to tell you because, well, I they're the boss. They, you know, they're, they're the ones with the power. They have the power to tell us what projects we're going to work on, what our raises are going to look like, whether we're going to get praise or uh, not, so, not such positive news. And so just as a leader to recognize that the human type of hierarchy that we set up in many of our organizations is inherently going to mean we'll miss things. Then we go and we ask the courageous questions and we ask for feedback and we're willing to be humble and to admit when we're wrong. I think what you mentioned a moment ago is so important of the fact that as leaders, we necessarily, we shouldn't necessarily be treating this generation differently than how we would treat any generation we're working with in the workplace. And I know I've had many occasions where I've been working with employees who are not happy or do not feel very engaged with their leaders and their organizations from the previous generations. And I think the difference that I notice is that the previous generations of employees are a little bit more um, willing to let that go and just to be okay with the mediocrity. My sense is, is that the that younger people, as they come into organizations and they don't find the engagement that they want, are less patient, are mm. less willing to stay with it for a year or two or three or four years. Have you found that to be the case with people you've interacted with and, and the young people especially? Yes, I think so too. And <laughs> I was starting to chuckle to myself while you were saying that because yes, I think part of that's generational. Part of that I actually just think is human development. And so there and then and then just life stages. There is the the reality of when it's just you, and especially because today's generations are actually living with their parents for so much longer than our generation. That's a real... That is a huge difference. Well, it's a demographic it's change too. that happened practically overnight. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. usually these social changes take longer to take place. And so that that's remarkable for them. What do they have to lose? For them, the, the loss is, well, I just go live with my mom and dad for a while and we'll just get it figured out and I'll get back out there when I find something that I like. And yeah. so I think that could be the generational thing, but it also could just be life stages. And I can remember when I had my first job out of college, I just didn't really see that as an option. I mean, yeah, I knew that it was an option. I had a great relationship with my parents. I still do. And so that always is an option. but It's just not one I really want to digest as easily as I think today's generation does. So it, I that's think, good to know that you're not planning to go move back with your parents. Because <laughs> you'd be coming with me yeah. and 
<laughs> and the, your You're parents' allergic cats. allergic to animals. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't work there'd out There'd be a lot me. of dog and cat hair going on. It would be on. tough. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice... If you, if a leader came to you today, particularly a new leader, and said, Bonnie, what what advice do you have just in general for me as I'm working with younger people who are entering my organization, what would you say to that person? I think that there's probably two things that come to mind here. One is that we need to, and again, this would be great if we did this with all workers, not just Generation Y, not just the millennials, but to be cognizant of doing whatever we can as leaders to tap into their sense of meaning and purpose. Mm. To say to them, it's all about profits. Let's figure out how to generate the highest profits we can is not going to be anywhere near as powerful as what we do as a company is significant. Yeah. We change lives, and that can take on a whole lot of different things. If you think about Steve Jobs, you know, just recently passed away, and that has been all over people's personal blogs and people's personal Facebook updates of the way that this one man, that it's perceived that he shaped their life. Even many people who never met him or didn't work for Apple. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, talk about cultural markers, he really was, but it doesn't mean that we all have to go work for nonprofits or churches or religious organizations. That that's And then unfortunately, I think a lot of today's generation thinks that's their only option mm. to have that sense of meaning. So, but for whatever company it is that yes, to be sustainable, <laughs> we need to make great healthy profits and to help these employees figure out how they connect to that is important but if the meaning isn't there, they don't care. They'll just go live with mom and dad again. <laughs> so really tapping into that. And part of that, the second half of my answer, my advice would be to also think about then having a healthy level of challenge. So there was this research that was done by, and it was published in Harvard Business Review, and it's called the Pygmalion Effect. And the the. I didn't actually, maybe I can get this graphic and post it on the show notes so sure, that you can see it, Absolutely. but picture a upside down U <laughs> shaped graphic okay. where we have the level of challenge along the, the Y axis and the level of motivation along the X axis. And so what this chart is telling me is that if I am challenged to where I'm stretched a little bit to where I get to expand my skills and to expand my sense of purpose and autonomy and feeling like I am making a difference. You've got me. Now you challenged me too much. This generation in particular, because they got all the trophies when they were playing soccer, even if the team lost every game, (laughs) they would never be able to make a Bad News Bears movie because it wouldn't have mattered that the Bad News Bears, which was a popular movie when I was growing up, never would have mattered that they lost. There'd be no movie plot there because, hey, you still got the trophy anyway. But but, uh, to be able to tap into, it's not so hard that I'll never be able to make it. Because that fear of failure is very, very present for many in that generation. But knowing that you'll be alongside me to support me, that others will be alongside me to support me, but that I'm going to be stretched a little bit and what I'm going to do has meaning and actually makes a difference in addition to generating a profit, but that it actually is going to have some significance can be a really, really powerful thing. 
Bonnie Stahoviak is the president of Innovate Learning, associate professor of business at Vanguard University, and a fantastic person to be married to. Bonnie, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I hope this two-episode series on coaching the millennials has been helpful to you and given you some new tools and perspective to gain in order to be even more effective at working with this age group. And as Bonnie mentioned today, you know, really many of the tools that both her and Gilbert have discussed are so important to be able to utilize regardless of the age or the experience level of the person that you're working with. So I want to thank uh, Bonnie so much for being here today. And also, again, thank Gilbert Fugit from last week for joining us. And if you are looking for information on some of the references that Bonnie mentioned, I'll be having those up on the show notes. Just go to innovatelearning.com and you'll be able to find the show notes for episode number eight here. And in addition, just a reminder that we do have information up on Facebook as well. And in fact, in the last uh, week or two here, I've been starting to post articles that I'm reading that I feel would be helpful to those of you who are leading and coaching people. So in addition to uh, being able to comment and, and ask questions on the Facebook site and of course the podcast episodes being there, you can also uh, take a look at articles that we're reading and that uh, we think are important to be helpful to you as a leader and coach. So if you go to Facebook, uh, you can type in facebook.com slash innovate learning. And if your organization is looking to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, call us. We might be able to be helpful to you. You can reach me at 877-LEARN-45. And that's also the number to call if you have comments or questions about the show. And then finally, of course, you can reach uh, me by email as well with any feedback or comments or questions. And that address is feedback at innovatelearning.com. Thanks so much for taking time out of your week to listen to this show. I hope it's continually helpful to you in your work as you coach others. And I'll look forward to talking with you again next week. Have a great week, everybody. Take care.